0: Good morning, Pathway. I'm excited about speaking this morning. Um, got the 30 down. I'm getting to experience what it's like to speak for services today. So I keep praying, God, give me the energy and sustain my voice. So anyways, but I'm really excited to be here. When Pastor Marty asked me to speak um, on this weekend a few months ago, I really thought I was going in a different direction i had it pretty much planned what i was going to do and god changed that um in october and we went a different direction with what i was supposed to speak today and but i'm really really excited about the message that he has that he's prepared and i just um want to open us up first in a word of prayer and then we're going to jump right in and get started So, Father, I thank you, God, for every person that is here today at Pathway and every person that will be coming um, this evening. God, I pray that you'll open our hearts to just receive what you have for us today. And God, we do. We speak freedom in this place, God. I just pray that lives will be changed, that lives will be touched. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, I was supposed to go in It I was, had another message, and then my message turned into something completely different. And what I'm actually going to be speaking to you about this morning is something we talk about all the time. Um, it's very common, but I'm going to talk to you about prayer. Um How it changed for me, prayer has drastically changed for me in the past couple of months, and it actually started with a moment that I was getting ready to go somewhere, and I was standing at the mirror of my bathroom, and I was actually praying over my son and just a situation going on, and I was asking God about this situation and asking him to come through in this situation, and Then I started feeling guilty because I felt like this thing was just small and that there are other people that are dealing with a lot more. And even part of me may have felt like it was a little bit selfish to be praying for this. But I heard God say in that moment when I started kind of feeling guilty and started praying my safe prayer, I heard him say, I want you to talk to me. I want you to come boldly to me. I want to know your thoughts. I want to know your day. I wanna know your pain and I wanna know your desires. I want you to pray crazy, bold prayers. Seek me and know me. Our relationship is a two-way street. Know me and know my heart. And in that moment, my prayer life changed. And the next several weeks, it's, I'd kind of become complacent in my prayer life. And I'd gotten to where I was just praying these safe prayers. And God was calling me to be bold, to take a risk, to pray dangerous prayers. And so, you see, in my life, I've believed lies about prayers. And the enemy loves to come in, and he loves to attack our mind, and he definitely loves to attack the area of prayer. And so some of the lies that I've believed, and you might can relate to these, is that my prayers, they just hit the ceiling. He does not hear me. So when I speak it, it just hits the ceiling. Or that I have to pray a certain way. I grew up in amazing, I had a great childhood, amazing parents um, took me to church. And I learned how to pray, you know, through going to church and sitting in classes and things like that. But a lot of that was combined with some legalism. So I felt like I had to wake up at a certain time, get in my closet, sit a certain way, have my you know journal and all that out, which those are all great things. But prayer is supposed to be natural. It's supposed to be natural, not just a checklist. And then there are times where I have felt like I could not go before the Father because I did not feel good enough that the mistakes I'd made in my past were keeping me from going before the Father. Or like I said earlier, just praying safe prayers, just need to keep it safe. Or that my needs are not important enough to Him. Those are lies. Those are lies from the enemy. And like I said, He wants nothing more than to attack our mind and attack this area of prayer. The enemy does not want us to communicate with God. He does not want us to feel equipped. He wants us to feel weak. And so in that moment that God spoke to me, I really, I started praying those crazy bold prayers. And I started studying prayer. And I kind of, I looked at the life of Abraham. I've looked at Moses. And then I came to the book of Nehemiah. And it's funny because in September, in our Pathway Kids 1st through 4th class, we were actually studying Nehemiah, and it's crazy how, here I am, we're going to be talking about Nehemiah today. And so there's so much packed into the book of Nehemiah. It's a story of leadership. It's a story of a man who had a burden and a passion burning within him to save these people, to save God's city. And then it's also a story of a man who had a prayer life that included God into his life, and he included him by prayer. And so I wish I could go through the whole book of Nehemiah, but I can't today. I don't have enough time. And I always give Pastor Marty a hard time when he goes over because I'm like, the babies are crying back there, you know, so so I don't want him to give me a hard time if I go over today. So anyways, but I do want to start with our book, the first chapter of Nehemiah, and I'm going to read it to you. And if you want to open your Bibles or turn on your Bible app, of course, we'll have it up here as well on the screen. But I'm going to start with the um, first chapter of Nehemiah, and then we'll hit different parts of the book of Nehemiah. But it says, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. And it says, in the late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was the, at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned from there from captivity, and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. And the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days, I mourned fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said, "'O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and unfailing love with those who love Him and obey His commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for the people of Israel.'" I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, degrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, "'Then, even if you were exiled to the ends of the earth, "'I will bring you back to the place "'I have chosen for my name to be honored.'" The people you rescue by your great power and strong hands are your servants. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So just to give you just a little bit of information, Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. So he was a trusted advisor of the king. He had a significant position with the king. And as the cupbearer, he got the great job of tasting the wine or the drink um, before the king took a drink of it to make sure it was not being poisoned I would not want that job, but okay, anyway, so he was like a bodyguard, a trusted advisor of the king. and here we have Nehemiah, and his heart is in Jerusalem. His body was in Persia, but his heart was in Jerusalem. He was burdened by what was going on with those that he shared the faith with. And Nehemiah was grieving for God's city. He was grieving for the things that God loved. He loved God and he wanted God's city to be restored. And Nehemiah we see that his heart was for God because we see that his reaction was he didn't just you know say, okay, we're going to fix this. He went to the Father. He mourned. He fasted. He grieved. And you see, there was a great work that was about to be done through this man, Nehemiah. When a great work begins, it's because God has done a great work in someone first. And so as we're talking about prayer this morning, one of the things in my prayer life that changed was I realized that prayer is all about Him. It's all about the Father. One of the things that has changed in my prayer life is that I've realized that it's about Him and His will. In Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's not my will, but it's his. And Nehemiah understood this well. When he heard the news, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed. And Nehemiah understood his leadership was a calling from God. He listened to the voice of God and responded to the need. His heart was for God's heart. His heart was for what was special to God. And what was special to God was special to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah understood it was about God's will, not his own. Pastor Marty has said before that God cannot and will not answer self-centered prayers but that prayer is where God gets what he wants for us, where his will is done here on earth. When our heart is aligned with God's heart, that's when we start seeing the Father working in our lives. That's when he's working in our lives. When we abide in the Father, when we abide in his word, then our hearts are synced with him. When we abide in him, We are aware that He is near and that His presence is with us. And the weight and the burdens and everything that we have been struggling with becomes lighter. I want you to think about some times in your life where you've prayed, and I am not an expert on prayer. My heart today is to share what God has been showing me through prayer and to share the heart of the Father but there have been times that I've prayed and I haven't, you know, I've seen prayers answered and I've seen prayers not answered. And yes, I've questioned those things, but I understand now the heart of the Father. And so one of the things that, um, I've actually told this story before, but um, I before I came on here and um, doing children's ministry and women's ministry I was actually a school teacher and so I taught school for eight years and in the last five years I was teaching at a school district and um, I was also doing children's ministry at pathway part-time during um, this time period and I was kind of feeling restless and stuck and just kind of needed a change And so I just started thinking that change was I need to go apply for a job at another school district. And so what I did is I went and applied for a kindergarten position that came open at a school district where um, we had thought maybe our kids would eventually go and it was closer to our house and things like that. And so I went on the job interview and I nailed the job interview. Couldn't have gone better. Could not have gone better. Clicked with the team, Just, it was an amazing interview. And I walked out of there thinking, okay, I've got this, you know, they're going to call me tomorrow. They're going to offer me this job. And then here I am going to this different school district. Well, I got a phone call the next day and the principal's like, did great. We, you know, loved you, you know, and everything team loved you, but we offered the job position to somebody else. And so in that moment, I was just really frustrated and, you know, why God, you know, I thought this was it. Well, a couple of months later, I was offered a full-time position here at Pathway. And so you see, God knew, God knew what was ahead and he knew what his will was. And I was called to ministry, full-time ministry. I knew I was called to full-time ministry at the age of 13. I can remember the um, retreat I was at. I, can, I still have the Bible. I wrote it down in. And I, God was ready for me to step into that calling. So he closed that door because he knew what was ahead and he knew that this was gonna be offered and that I would be stepping into my will and my calling. You see, every person has a plan for their lives that only comes from him. We were designed and destined to do his will. And I love how Nehemiah, his prayers reflected his dependence on God. God knew he was going to Jerusalem. He knew what was going on in Jerusalem. He knew how distraught the city was, but he also knew what needed to be done, and he knew who it needed to be done through. His will is best. He knows what's best. So instead of Nehemiah coming to God with a list and like, hey, God, I'm gonna fix this, I got it, he immediately went to God saying, I love you, God, Oh God of heaven, Hear me, hear me. And he prays and he asks God to remember the promises, remember the promises that he had spoken over the people. And he prayed to a great and awesome God with unfailing love. You see, every prayer that we've seen answered has accomplished his will. He will be glorified. The importance of rebuilding the walls was that it would show God's blessing on his people again. It was also an important sign to the enemies of Israel. In Nehemiah 2.20, it said, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We are his servants and we, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. And the same is for us. The enemy has no claim on us. The enemy has no claim on us. We are children of a father, of a king. And then we go on and it shows that the rebuilding of the walls shows that God was with his people. In Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 16, it says when our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that the work being done, that the work that was done was by the help of God. The destruction of the walls, it left the people exposed to great trouble and shame But the rebuilding of the walls was so important because it revealed God's blessing. And it revealed that God was with his people and that he is a God of restoration. The walls provided that protection and dignity to a people who were suffering. Because God did not call those people in Jerusalem to just be survivors. He called them to be conquerors. And the same applies for us. In Romans 8, 37, it says, Know in all things that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God's people were not just meant to just survive. They were meant to be more than conquerors you and I were not meant to just get by and survive. We are meant to be more than conquerors. And when I think of the rebuilding of the walls, I I think of what we're in right now, the season we're in and how we're about to start building a new building for Pathway. And um, I, you know, sometimes get a little grouchy about this, like, okay, we are out of room. We're using every inch of this building. We don't have anywhere else to put all these kids. How are we going to do this? When are we going to build this building, God? But you know, when we break ground, we're going to see explosion happen. God is already doing something big here at Pathway. We're already seeing miracles. We're already seeing God be glorified. But when we build that building, we're going to see thousands come. And it's not going to be about us. It's going to be about God. It's going to be about God, and He will be glorified. And we're going to have stories to share. We're going to have stories of miraculous things that happen to get us there. You know, you don't want to miss out on that. You don't want to miss out on being a part of that. But here's the deal. God has a story for all of us. God is writing a story for you and I. And that story is not just about survival. It's about being victorious and being more than conquerors and seeing his will come to pass in our lives. You know, another thing is, is I said earlier, like I felt like my prayers, they would just hit the ceiling. Like when I prayed, okay, they just stopped there. And that's not the case. That's a lie we were not designed to do life alone. We were designed to do life with the Father. And prayer is dialogue. Prayer is a collaboration with the Father. You know, I want you to think about your best friend. It might be your spouse. It might be somebody you work with. It might be the best friend you've had since you were six or seven. But think about that person. When you go to that person, do you have to go to them and look a certain way? and go through a certain ritual, and present a list before them that you've got to check check off. No, when you go to your best friend and you talk to them, it's natural. It's comfortable. It's intimate. It's real. And that's what prayer is. When we become a believer We now have a personal, intimate relationship with the God, with the Father, the God of the universe. And the God of the universe desires communication with his people. He created us for relationship and intimacy with him flows from the Father. And when we sit here and we think, okay, I'm not good enough to go before the Father, you are good enough. And my view of prayer has changed because my view of the Father has changed. You see, I now know that He is good and He is near and His presence is with me. My position with the Father is held by grace. And just like we were singing this morning, because of what Jesus did, because of his grace, I am reconnected back to the Father. I'm not a victim. I have a vision. I have a plan for my life. From the beginning, God desired a relationship with you and I. Now we know that sin came into the world and it destroyed that, but then God sent his son, Jesus. And through the blood that was shed for you and I, For every person in here, through what Jesus did for us, that intimacy and that relationship was restored. We were reconnected back to the Father. And the friendship, the relationship that God desires is one for us to be comfortable coming to Him, to be comfortable coming into His presence. He wants to be close to us, and He wants us to be close to Him. You have no idea the value in an intimate relationship with the Father. You know, it says in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, when it says, behold, the virgin virgin shall be with a child and she, she shall, ah, I cannot speak this morning. She shall bear a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. He is with us. We never have to keep a distance from him because of the blood of Christ. He's near and he is good. Prayer is a two-way conversation. You see, when I speak, he's listening. And when he speaks, I'm listening. He wants conversation. He wants to talk to us. He desires for us to live by his voice. His Word gives evidence that we have a personal relationship with Him that's in our DNA when we become a believer. You see, as sheep, when Jesus speaks to His sheep, His sheep can hear His voice. Us, we can hear His voice. We are His sheep, and He is the Good Shepherd. And when we become a believer, it's in our God-given DNA that we can recognize and hear His voice. You know, I know that this time of the year can actually be a very difficult time of the year. It's, it's actually a tough time of the year for me as well, um, just loss and things like that. And I know for many of us, this may be the case, but I've understood the heart of the Father on a completely different level, that when I'm going through a tough season, Or when I'm going through a tough time of the year, he wants to know about it. He wants to talk about it. He's inviting me to process with him. He's not just sitting there waiting for me, you know, waiting just so he can give me a list of what I need to do. What he wants to do is he wants to process with me. He wants to know my thoughts. He wants to know what's going on. And in return, he wants to give me his wisdom and understanding he wants to open our eyes to things that may be going on inside of ourselves, to what he already knows. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great hidden things that you have not known. So it's like God wants to turn on an internal light in us and reveal some things that we may not know. We may not know about ourselves or an area that he wants to speak to that we've been struggling with. God wants to turn on the light inside of us. He wants to reveal things to us so that we can live the best life, so that we can live the, God, the God-given life that he created for us. He is our best friend. There's no formalities. We don't have to be afraid. We can be real. We can go boldly before the Father. And through Jesus, our connection, our relationship, our friendship with Jesus has been restored. Prayer is connecting with God in a personal way. And Nehemiah understood that. He understood that. He would include God in his day and things that they were going through and things that he was having to lead these people through. He would pray these short little prayers he had a prayer life. He spent a lot of time with God, but he talked to God throughout the day and throughout everything that he was going through. And what I love too, is that God can speak through other people. He puts people in our lives and he speaks through them. And there was this, um, about almost five years ago now, I, um, lost my mother um, from complications from a car accident that she had been in. And when we were in the hospital for um, a few days, um, she, um, as she was there in the hospital, people were coming up. Our church family was coming up and friends. They were coming and praying over us. And several people had um, Psalm 91 for us. And several people were praying that for us. Um, wrote it down in cards for us, kept telling us, I keep hearing Psalm 91. I keep hearing Psalm 91. And I remember in those days, and then even the days after she had passed away, I kept thinking, okay, God, you kept speaking Psalm 91, but I'm just not getting it. I don't get why everybody kept hearing that. Was it for me was it for my mom what you know was it for my dad what what was the deal with that well that was a very tough trial that I had to go through but even in that tough trial I can't imagine getting through that without the hope of the father without knowing that his presence is with me and so really about a year later when we were sitting in a women's leadership meeting and we were planning our next series and we were talking about the book of Ephesians and we started talking about the book and you know his word and what he says about us and something in that moment clicked and I realized that Psalm 91 was for me. God was speaking Through those people and showing me that I can be safe and I can rest under the refuge of my father, of my best friend. And that he was going to see me through this trial, he was going to see me through this tough situation. So God spoke through others. It was a dialogue, it was communication. My best friend. And we know that as leaders, prayer is so essential to leadership. It's so essential to leadership. You know, as leaders, we need to be in tune with the heart of the Father. Because if we're not in tune with him, then true vision cannot be Take place in our lives. We have to be in tune with him. We have to seek God's guidance. It's a lot more difficult when we don't have a prayer life. It's a lot more difficult because we're relying on ourselves and we're trying to fix it. And I am the number one person that tries to fix it on my own. But when we go to the Father and we seek his guidance, he gives us vision. He gives us clarity. You know, Nehemiah had to do a lot of things as a leader, a lot of things as a leader. He had to find food for the families and workers. He had to take care of the poor that were being taken advantage of. He had to manage the resources. He had to defend the city against enemies that were coming against it. And then he had to go to the king and ask for permission to even start this project. And remember, I told you earlier that he had a very significant position with the king. He was a very trusted advisor. And Nehemiah, that position, God knew it was significant. And he knew he was a leader. And he knew that what needed to be done in Jerusalem needed to be done through Nehemiah. But Nehemiah knew he couldn't do it without God and a strong prayer life with him. So, Nehemiah, he goes. We see in chapter two, he has to have a hard conversation with the king. He has to go before the king, which was probably pretty nerve wracking. And when he comes before the king, and the king asks him what he wants, which was probably okay. Yeah, this is, the king is asking me, what do I need? I've got to speak before the king. I cannot mess this up. And so Nehemiah, before he even speaks, he prays to the Father. And then after that, he's able to clearly outline his plan, what he needs, the time he needs, the letters that he needs, and all of those things. Coincidence? No, it was God. It was God. He started that hard conversation by going to the Father, by including the Father God rewards those who boldly step out of the center into the center of their calling. Often, as leaders, we are tasked with those hard conversations, with those hard decisions, with those healthy conflicts that we have. And if we don't face those head on without the help of the Father, then how are we to grow? How is that person supposed to grow? How is the ministry supposed to grow? Then as leaders, we know that there are decisions that we are having to make all the time. All the time. Our businesses, our companies, our ministries, they all depend on that. And they depend on us having a healthy relationship, a healthy prayer life with the Father. You see, at the center of God's plan for us was prayer. Prayer. And the center of Nehemiah's plan was prayer, was communication with the Father. We often want to dive in and do it on our own. Like I said, I am very guilty of this. I want to dive in and do it on our own. But God has the resources. I tell our kids and Pathway kids that you have a calling on your life and you don't have to worry because to fulfill that calling, God is going to give you everything you need. He's going to give you all the resources you need, and he's going to give you vision and direction. Just seek him. Just seek him and seek his word. And you know, we often as leaders, we're faced with a lot of battles and a lot of stress, a lot of heaviness that we're having to carry, weight that we're having to carry, And it says in chapter four, we see that the enemies are trying to stop the rebuilding of the wall, and they're mocking the Jews, and they're criticizing them, and Nehemiah did not charge after them. He could have, but he didn't. Instead, he went to the Father, because he knew that the Father would fight this battle. And in that moment, what I love in that moment is often we pray when we're faced with battles and stress, we pray, okay, God, I need you to take care of them. I need you to fix them. But what God did here is he took care of the people and he worked in the minds of the people that were rebuilding the wall. And so they were able to keep going forward and they were able to keep rebuilding the wall Instead of being stopped by what the enemies were doing, God gave them the strength. God gave them the mindset to keep going forward. He answers our prayers by moving in our lives. You aren't meant to do this alone. You're meant to do this life with God. If you're stuck or if you have a dream or a calling that is burning inside of you and don't know how to get there, go to God. Because true vision comes from the Father. It says that he, in John 15, it says that he chose us. He appointed us so that we may go and bear fruit. And if we're carrying that battle and that weight, it says in Isaiah 40, 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint because we weren't just meant to survive. We were meant to be more than conquerors. And I love how God will speak to us, like I said, through different people. And as leaders, I pray that God has given you a strong, amazing team that is surrounding that surrounds you and surrounds your ministry. One of the things we do as a staff, and we do this in our um, team meetings and leadership team meetings, is after we have an event, we'll meet and we'll kind of process that whole event. And we'll go through, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what was confusing, what do we need to change? And I love, sometimes those meetings can be pretty stressful. Um, sometimes those can be kind of tough to listen to, but I love how we always grow in those meetings. I love how there's always growth, and I love hearing the different perspective. And I do believe that it's a God given perspective because if God has put those people on your team, He's going to work through those people. <sighs> And I titled my message today, Go Boldly, because like I said, when God was speaking to me in that moment where I started praying that safe prayer, he spoke to me and said, I want you to pray crazy, bold prayers. I want you to go boldly before me. The enemy wants nothing more than to attack our minds. And like I said, he definitely wants to attack this area of prayer. Because he wants us to question ourselves. He wants us to question God. He wants us to question what God says about us. Because if we do that, then we become weaker, we become lifeless, we're not as equipped to fight the battles. The enemy wants you to feel that he wants you to think that your past defines you and that you are not good enough to approach the father, but he is a liar. He is a liar because here's the truth. We are chosen before he even made the world, he loved us. We are forgiven. We are lavished with grace. We are recipients of an inglorious inheritance. You are to walk worthy of your calling because your calling is God-given, is God-designed. We are the bride of Christ and no one, not the enemy can take that away from us. We are saved, redeemed, and called royalty. So we are to pray in accordance of who God says we are. The enemy wants us to feel less equipped. But God is saying, you are my chosen people. I have appointed you to do great things. And that's why it's so important to focus on the Father and to focus on the promises of the Father because if He says it, He's going to do it. And a lot of times, God, so many times, God wants us to call out those promises. Not for Him to be reminded, it's for us to be reminded. If God promised it, He's going to do it. Call it out. Go boldly before Him. It says in Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that you will receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Go boldly with confidence before him. And then in Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. And he is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for thousands of generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. So here's the deal, the only way to know the truth behind the situation is to fight and to fight in prayer. If your marriage is struggling, go to God in prayer. If your kids are struggling, Go to God in prayer, Go boldly before Him. Pray those crazy, bold prayers. If your job, you're struggling at your God, job, go before the Father. Because I am living proof of a mother who went boldly before the throne room and prayed for me. Those years that I had turned my back on God, I can still see my mom sitting in a chair praying for I knew she was praying for me. I knew it. I knew it. And I'm evidence of a God who worked in my life because of my mother's prayers, because of my father's prayers, because my parents went to battle and they fought and they knew that God would fight this battle. He is generous, He is good. Like I said, the children of Jerusalem were not meant to just survive. They were meant to be more than conquerors. And you and I are meant to live victorious lives and be more than conquerors. Prayer is a natural communication with our best friend. It's a dialogue. It's a way to collaborate with the Father and we can go boldly before the father because he hears our prayers um in closing i just wanted to share um like i said how god he wants to be involved in every day of our lives and he when sometimes he can speak to us at the craziest times. so the other day I was actually and I live in Gilmer so I was in a little ice cream shop with my kids and um, this ice cream shop there is Christian owned and so there's always scriptures that she writes on like a little board she has and things like that and I was sitting there with my kids and it was right before Thanksgiving and the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, comes on. And it's just like the instrumental version of the song. And I started thinking of that, thinking about that song. And I started thinking about something that God has spoken to me um, at the beginning of the holiday season. Like I said, um, a lot of times I've been struggling with a lot of things as the holiday season approaches, um, with the loss of, you know, loved ones, loss of my mom. And a lot of times the loneliness and the sadness can come in during that time. And I remember that God spoke to me one day and he said, when he passed through the waters, I will be with you. And so in Isaiah 43, two, it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flames will not set you ablaze. And so I started thinking about that song, what a friend we have in Jesus. And he is our friend. He's our friend that we can be natural with that we can go boldly before him. And I started thinking about the verse in that song that says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear, he bore those things for us. But we have the privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And so, and we know how the song goes on after that, but I started doing a little bit of research on the song and the history of the song. And this was actually written as a poem by a man named Joseph Scriven. And he was a teacher and um, he fell in love and was engaged to a young lady, but on the eve of their wedding ceremony, um, his fiance was tragically killed. Um, She had fallen off a horse um, while crossing a river and drowned. And so then, in an attempt to overcome his sorrow, he left that, that area, and he went to another area. Um, he went to an area near Port Hope, Canada, and he became popular there with the locals. He became a tutor to the children, and while he was there, he met another lady and fell in love with her. But while they were planning to be married, tragedy struck again, and she fell ill, and she died And so while surviving these tragedies in life, he devoted the rest of his life by helping others. Man, he could have given up right then and there, but he devoted the rest of his life while helping others. And when he received news that his mother had become very ill, he sat down one day and he wrote a poem called Pray Without Ceasing in an attempt to comfort her while he was away from home. That poem is now what we know as what a friend we have in Jesus. And I love that song, I know it's an old song, but it just reminds us of the relationship we have with the Father. That he is approachable, that his presence is with us, that he is good and he knows what's best for our lives. I want to invite you to stand with me right now.